Hello everyone, and welcome to the second of Jewish Women's Musings. We're currently finding ourselves in a lockdown in London because of the coronavirus. It's scary, it's unknown, it's different. And now, although I think there's a definite benefit to people sharing their feelings and thoughts during this very difficult time, um, I definitely think there's a lot to be said to looking into this week's parsha and actually coming up with some new uh, fodder for our brains that have so been involved in what's going on in the world. So let's actually find some new material to add to what we're thinking about these days and see what some aspects of this week's Torah portion can teach us for our everyday life. So let's get on with it. So we're going to look at this week's parsha. We're going to look at one concept that is well, very big in this week's parsha, the concept of korbanot, sacrifices. I'm going to try and understand that a bit more, and of course, as usual, um, make it relevant. Make it personally relevant. So here we go. In this week's parsha, we're really discussing korbanos, which are roughly translated as sacrifices. However, like a lot of Hebrew English translations, a lot of it gets lost. And sacrifices is not exactly what you want to be thinking about when you think about karbanot. Why? Well, if I say the word sacrifice, and I would, let's say, ask that to a uh, somebody who's doing some free association, the, the mood you're getting from sacrifices is, um, I really, really like this thing, but I'm going to give it up for the other person. I'm going to sacrifice it for you. Um, which is not really what we're doing. We're bringing an animal, certain types of animals, or um, meal offerings, so dough, and we're bringing it up on an altar, on a mizbech, for God. It's not considered like you're supposed to be cutting off everything you own for God. That's not, that's not the connotation we're looking for here. Another translation that you could have for karbanot is an offering. But that's even worse in my opinion because an offering um, connotates that the other person needs something and you're giving it. You're offering him something like a gift. I need something, you're offering it to me. But in this case, we're struck with the question of, well, God doesn't need anything. So an offering can't really work. So, well, what is this carbon? And what, what were we doing here? Um, well, Rav Shamshan Hirsch goes into the root of the Hebrew word carbon. So without trying to get anything lost in translation, he just goes straight to the root. And carbon comes from the word karov, which is close. So a carbon made into a noun is that which draws close. So essentially what we're doing with sacrifices or offerings or carbonos in this case is we're trying to draw close to God. And that's really what most of Ayikar, most of this whole book, is uh, enumerating for us, how we draw close with Karbanos in the times of the temple. Nowadays, uh, we don't have Karbanos. We do this with prayer, with tefillah. So how does this draw close? How do these uh, animals draw close? Well, essentially, what the Torah is teaching us here is a secret of any relationship, any two-way relationship any healthy, close, two-way relationship, how to draw close. Because if you think of it this way, God doesn't need anything. God creates us every given moment. God is everything. And yet, even though 
He is everything and he gives us everything. He has chosen to make space for us. Not only to make space that we can exist, but to make space that we can give back. If you think about how crazy that is, you can um, kind of try and use the analogy of a dream. If you have a dream and you think about a person in that dream, that person exists in your dream only as much as you are thinking about that person. You are generating that person in your dream. To think that you would have a relationship with your dream character and even allow that dream character to give back to you is amazing. Hashem creates us. We are His, His creations as much as, as He thought of us and we are here. For him to allow us to give back to him is insane, but it's true. He wants a relationship with us. Now, in order to have a relationship, and here we're getting to the secret here, a relationship can never be just of giving. You have a lot of examples of people who become the most giving, giving people in a relationship, and they then wonder why their relationships fall apart. Well, after a few months of purely getting, getting given to and being the receiver, you feel like a fifth wheel. And you don't want to stay in that kind of a relationship. A true relationship has a lot of giving, granted, but also has a second part, a second type of giving. Honest, beautiful, uh, grateful receiving. And who is really to know which one gives more? If I give somebody a compliment, I am trying to give to them. But if they receive my compliment graciously and they say, oh, wow, you noticed, thank you so much, I feel like a million dollars. Who's to know who gave more? The one who gave the compliment or the one who graciously accepted the compliment? And I can really count on my fingers the amount of times I gave a compliment and that person stopped, looked at me and said, wow, thank you. I felt on top of the world for the rest of the day because what I had to give was received. And the more, uh, a deeper understanding of that is that we all want to feel godlike. We were created in the image of God and we all want to feel godlike. Being able to give and really feel like what you gave made a difference, that's feeling godlike because God is the ultimate giver. So by receiving that person, what that person wants to give, in a way, you're giving more than the giver himself. You're allowing that person to feel godlike. Imagine what a gift that is. So back to the carbon. Even though God gave us everything, he is now saying, take an animal or take a meal offering, which we're not going to go into the symbolic significance of the different animals and the different meal offerings. But bring it up for me. Draw close to me. Take something that is yours and do what? Elevate it. So a carbon with the word karov, to draw close, is giving us one part of the secret of a relationship that it has to be two-sided, that yes, everybody wants to give, but by receiving, you are allowing the other person to feel godlike and to give. And God, even though he gives us everything, he is allowing us to add a carbon. And uh, nowadays we don't have a carbon, but in prayer, it's the same thing. We bless God during our prayers. You ever thought how crazy it is? Blessed be you, God, what God needs your blessing? Yes. He has chosen, of course, he doesn't really need, need our blessing, but he has chosen to create a universe where we are allowed to have a relationship with him, where we can give back. But the second point, and a little bit more um, 
down to earth and I suppose also connected to now this lockdown and the virus that's going around is that everybody wants to be a giver as we've just spoken about giving makes us feel godlike and giving feels great if I give my son the crayons to give out to his brother he feels like a million dollars he wants to be the giver however to receive we allow the other person to feel godlike Another part of this concept of giving and receiving is the giver very clearly sees he gave something, he did something, he said something, there is a, um, something changed because of it, there's a reaction because of it, there's a thank you, there's a, oh, you showed up at work, well done, going out, going to work, being externally focused, being the, the giver, vector, the warrior, always has clear, um, signs did you do your job did you not do your job you either get promoted or you get demoted you're being the giver you didn't be, you weren't the giver too bad for you you were the giver well done for you it's very external the receiver is much more in, internal someone who accepts a compliment nobody's telling him good job for accepting the compliment someone who makes the home sorry the home which is a much more internal thing than going out to work is there's nobody in the morning saying, oh, well done, you made breakfast, or, oh, too bad, you didn't do this. There's no, there's much less external appreciation. Now, those, both of those things, however, are very, very needed. You need to go out and change the world, but you also need to nurture what you already have, the more internal thing. And my personal musing this year, this week, was that we're all plunged into a reality where we're forced to cultivate our internalness. We're forced to cultivate our receiving. We're forced to cultivate um, people who've uh, gone more into the Kabbalistic concept of this, our female side. So we're suddenly at home. Nobody sees what we're thinking about, how down or how, how strong we're being. This is the time when we are giving the opportunity to work on our innerness on our receiving of the internal world that builds us. It's a lot harder than the external world. And I think we all are looking for the distraction from the internal world. But I wonder if we could take a minute to say, well, God plunged us into this reality where we are all stuck at home. How can we use this? Maybe let's cultivate our rich inner world. Maybe let's be less externally appreciation-based. Maybe let's do something that nobody else knows about that we can be proud of. Thanks for listening.